tossing and turning all night like a salad, it's time to put those sleepless nights to bed for good. Enter Tanasi, my sleep saviors, and they have science to back up their sleep, anxiety, and pain-relieving powers. Back in 2016, they invested a $2.5 million grant to Middle Tennessee State University to study the hemp plant. Turns out their special patent-pending CBD-CBDA formula is twice as effective as CBD alone and can be more effective than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. So if you're tired of tossing and turning like a rotisserie chicken, then Tanasi's got your back with their range of great products from tinctures to gummies to lotions. Tanasi is my go-to when I can't sleep or I have way too much anxiety. I'm so glad that I discovered them. So go to Tanasi.com and use the code POWER to get 25% off your order. That's Tanasi.com, T-A-N-A-S-I, to get 25% off your first order with the promo code POWER. Are you tired of your digestive system feeling like a circus act gone wrong? Introducing Ritual's 3-in-1 Gut Superhero Symbiotic Plus. A probiotic, prebiotic, and postbiotic all rolled into one. And with 25% off with the code POWER, there's no better time to check out Ritual. Let's break it down. Probiotics are like the cool kids at the gut party, keeping everything in check and making sure the good vibes are flowing. Prebiotics are their wingmen, fueling the party with all the right snacks to keep the good bacteria thriving. And postbiotics, well, they're like the cleanup crew, sweeping away the mess and leaving your gut feeling fresh and fabulous. So say goodbye to the gut drama and remember, there's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com power. Sober Powered is sponsored by BetterHelp. I was a stress drinker, and I thought, if only I didn't have so much stress, I wouldn't have to drink this much. But do you know why I had all this stress? Because I didn't have the skills to take stressors off my plate, so they built up and wore me down. Some stressors are big and others are small, but carrying around 25 minor annoyances is going to have an impact on you. Plus, did you know that alcohol messes with our stress response system and decreases our ability to handle stress? It makes small things seem like a much bigger deal. Learning how to manage stress and take things off my plate has changed my life. I'm calm, I'm less reactive, and I believe that I can handle whatever comes my way. I feel proud of the way that I handle things now. You can get there too. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com sober to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash sober. Cognitive health is the ability to think clearly, learn new things, and remember information, events, and what you've learned in the past. As problem drinkers, we aren't that great at thinking things through, but it's not because we're losers. It's because alcohol damages the brain and messes with our cognitive health. In episode 159, I talked about what you can expect physically when you stop drinking, and I mentioned that the cognitive improvements are a bit slower to show up. So in this episode, we're talking all about how alcohol damages our cognitive abilities, how this puts us at risk to relapse, how long it takes for our cognitive health to recover after you quit drinking, and what you can do to take care of your cognitive health. So let's dig in.
to the Sober Powered Podcast. I'm your host, Jill, and today we are talking cognition. So not all of us will experience cognitive issues from our drinking, but it's estimated that about half of all problem drinkers have some measurable cognitive impairment. And the severity of this depends on your age, sex, if you have any other medical issues or psychiatric comorbidities, family history of addiction, number of withdrawals and relapses, how long you've been sober, how many years you drink, and how malnourished you were while you were drinking. To quit drinking for good, we have to be able to acknowledge the consequences of our drinking and have an accurate perception of what's going on so we don't convince ourselves it's going to be different this time. But the problem is, heavy drinking changes the brain and prevents us from thinking clearly. We keep drinking and expecting a different result when we've been getting the same result over and over for years. And this is partly because our cognitive power is low. You've probably seen those scary pictures of the brains of heavy drinkers where they're all shriveled up and crunchy looking. And if your brain looks like that, then how can you expect it to work properly? And just because you quit drinking a few weeks or months ago doesn't mean that the structure of your brain has completely healed. It took time to get to this point and it will take time to go back to a healthy brain. I have some episodes on why alcohol shrinks the brain and I'll list those in the show notes for you too. According to the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism, alcohol damages neurons in all areas of the brain. It inhibits the functioning of every Every brain mechanism alters the activity of all neural pathways in the brain and increases the risk of developing neurological diseases and disorders like seizures, strokes, brain cancer, and dementia. But the NIH reports that partial repair of some of the structural changes to the brain can occur within the first few months of sobriety. So it's good news. And the most noticeable and important effects occur during your first year of sobriety. But it continues to get better and better. The full benefits of sobriety happen after five to seven years of not drinking. And the level of damage and the time it takes to recover depends on lots of different things, like how many years you drank, how much you drank, if you used other drugs during that time, your genetics, if you have a family history of alcohol use disorder, how many relapse you've had and withdrawal cycles, and lifestyle factors like diet and exercise and how healthy you are overall. And this might sound depressing, but it's actually a positive thing. There are a lot of great changes that happen in the first few months of sobriety, which can give you momentum to keep it going and let you get your cognitive powers back so you can start understanding why you are drinking. And the fact that it takes five to seven years for the full benefits to set in is also a good thing. This means that sobriety just keeps getting better and better. It should also be a way to remind yourself that you did a lot of damage with your, your drinking and that it was actually that bad. So don't let your mind try to convince you otherwise. And next week, we're going to be talking all about moderation. So make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so you don't miss that episode. The main cognitive deficits that a problem drinker can experience are in executive functioning, memory, planning and strategizing, emotional processing, and social skills. Problems in these areas can have a major impact 
on our ability to get sober. Our memory helps us remember how drinking isn't the solution and what happened the last 517 times we tried to drink again. Our ability to plan and strategize helps us come up with a plan to stay sober that we're willing to try is realistic and isn't the exact same strategy as the last 517 times that we tried. Our ability to process our emotions helps us avoid intense urges to drink and work through triggers faster. And social skills allow us to feel less alone and have less triggers from other people. All of these cognitive issues in early sobriety make relapse more likely. Executive functioning was the other skill on the list, and this includes a lot of different cognitive processes that let us plan, control, monitor, and adapt our behavior in response to what's happening. And if you look back on your history with drinking, we are not very good at any of those, especially adapting our behavior. We also have problems with attention, working memory, or being able to keep a specific piece of information present in your mind, controlling impulses, problem solving, reasoning, multitasking, and updating our beliefs based on new information. All of these things come together to impact our ability to make decisions, which is an important thing to have control over. If we're unable to think things through, control our impulses, or update our beliefs based on new information, then we can't make good decisions. And it's much easier to give in to a trigger or a craving and drink again. And this is why it's critical to get support and have people help you stay on the right path. We know that alcohol damages all areas of the brain, so I could go on forever. But the last one that I will mention is cognitive inhibition. And this involves filtering out useless information and thoughts to stay focused on the current task. One of my favorite things to talk about is attentional bias, which I covered in episodes 127 and 128. Basically, our minds are biased towards alcohol cues, and when we're cued or triggered, our attention gets stuck on it, and we struggle to redirect. And this goes along with cognitive inhibition because we can't stop thinking about the craving. Our brain believes that alcohol helps, so it wants to motivate us to seek out what we think is going to fix our problems. You can imagine it as your brain encouraging you to drink because it's confused and it thinks that alcohol is great. And for problem drinkers who drink to cope, even mild stress is enough to increase the ability of alcohol to grab onto your attention and not let it go. Think about all the ways that this is impacting your ability to stay sober. We're trying to give up something that we don't fully want to give up. We never developed coping skills to deal with stress in healthy ways, and our brains don't work that well. So our attention gets stuck on our triggers and we can't redirect. We can't update our memory, so even though we know the bad stuff that happened, we still base our decisions on old information about our drinking. We're more impulsive. And if you listened to last week's episode about what to expect emotionally, then you know that our emotions are all over the place in the beginning, which just triggers us even more. So when does this start to improve? Attention, inhibitory control, flexible thinking, short-term and working memory, 
and the ability to update information in your memory improves after the first few months of sobriety for most people. And you may feel it as like a burst of clarity, like you feel like you're coming out of a fog or waking up from a dream. I felt it around 60 days sober. Executive functioning and decision-making skills may be a bit slower to recover and can take months to years. Problems with decision-making skills play a huge role in relapse, obviously, and our memory can take more time to recover too, especially the part that allows us to recall and re-experience past events. So this can take a year or more to recover fully. And emotional processing and social skills are also ones that take longer to recover. And it seems like the more times you've detoxed, the more difficulty you may have with your cognitive abilities when you get sober. Going through withdrawal is very stressful for the body and brain. So the more times you go through this process, the more difficult it gets. And it's important to be kind to yourself and get some support. Your brain is going to try to talk you into drinking and it makes very convincing arguments. It's important to have support so you can push through these thoughts and any triggers or cravings that come up. According to the National Institute on Aging, lifestyle factors play a major role in our longevity and in maintaining cognitive functioning as we get older and reducing the risk for Alzheimer's disease. I'm very passionate about healthy aging because I've watched family members struggle with their mobility and memory. When I first started working out, the motivator was to be hot, but that always fizzled out and then I would get off the routine. But this time, I'm exercising to make sure that I age well and that I stay mobile and sharp and self-sufficient. So here are some lifestyle factors that the National Institute on Aging recommends that we be mindful of. The first, taking care of your physical health by going to health screening appointments, managing any chronic conditions like diabetes, high blood pressure, depression, high cholesterol, limiting alcohol, quitting smoking, and making sure that you get seven to eight hours of sleep a night. Episode 75 is all about how sleep recovers from when we are actively drinking to two years into sobriety, so check that one out if you're interested. But going to the doctor to make sure that you have these conditions under control is really important. Even if they don't seem like a big deal, they can have a big impact on your health. High blood pressure specifically is important to be aware of because it's bad for the brain and it increases the risk of cognitive decline. And if you're a loyal listener, then you may remember how badly alcohol impacts blood pressure from episode 17. Exercise, the foods that you eat, and medication if needed can be used to control your blood pressure. The third lifestyle factor to be mindful of is eating a healthy diet and limiting sugar and salt. It's really easy to not eat healthy, and this is something that I have struggled with so bad. I don't see any major consequences with it, and it doesn't impact my life in a huge way, so I don't think that I need to address my diet, but that is actually something I'm working on right now. I think that my diet has a big impact on my mood. So I'm doing a 30-day challenge where I'm not eating any sugar. So please send good vibes because 30 days is a long time. Number four, be physically active. 
My grandpa had dementia and my grandma has Alzheimer's and their doctor told them that they likely developed these conditions because they never got any movement. My grandma was told to get walking and that it could slow the progression of her Alzheimer's. So regular exercise is good for all sorts of things, like your energy levels, balance, preventing other conditions like heart disease, reducing depression, and keeping your mind sharp. The guidelines are at least 150 minutes of activity a week, even walking. So you don't have to get out there and go crazy. You can just start your morning with a 20-minute walk. Exercise is not just good for all of this stuff either. It helps keep you sober too, and it helps with cravings. And I explained all that in episode 122. And the last lifestyle factor is to manage stress and increase your resilience. And I don't want you to think about resilience as like being strong or weak. It's your ability to bounce back, redirect, and not let things get you for days. So we all have stress, but chronic stress is bad for the brain. And I covered this in episode 119. And it's really important that we learn coping skills so that we can take stressors off of our plate and not carry everything around with us forever until it builds and builds and builds and we don't know what else to do besides drink or emotionally eat. And even though it feels like alcohol helps you deal with stress, it really doesn't. Alcohol causes even more stress because of how it impacts the nervous system and because it doesn't help us deal with our problems. It just lets us ignore them temporarily. And ignoring a problem doesn't make it go away. Overall, the physical benefits happen a lot faster and the cognitive benefits lag behind a little bit. But this should just show you that your drinking was actually a big deal and it's not something to minimize or think that it will improve. So I hope that this episode made you feel hopeful. There are a lot of benefits coming your way over the next months and years, and it will just keep getting better and better and better. And you'll look back, you'll think one year you felt amazing, and then wait till you get to year two. It's not like you feel like crap the entire time. You think you feel good until you feel even better. So it's a good thing. And it's important to get support during this process because as your brain is trying to heal itself, your decision-making skills and your thought processes are not what they should be. So that's why it's important to get support from other people who get it, who can help you stay on the path. And we would love to support you in my Living a Sober Powered Life community. You can get more info on that in the show notes. And I strongly encourage you to go to therapy if you don't already. And I will talk to you next week. I'm Madeline, and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking, and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober, and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host, and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety, and lots of how 
excuse for navigating all the things sober from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.